can ride that horse up yonder. I'm full of bees who died at sea. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful. Look out! The lever! Get away from that lever! You'll blow us all to atoms! Let's do this. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here. You know what we do. We have a guest on, and we talk about a record that got them high. And I've had a really good run of musician guests on for a while. You don't, it's like, you don't necessarily, you don't have to be a musician or, or, or a singer-songwriter to be on the show, but some people feel like, oh, you have to, because that seems like what I had a big run of them. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's how it is. And uh, once again, I have someone, he's a singer-composer for 13 years. He was, uh, he led the Seattle-based pop group Red Jacket Mine, uh, but he's currently based in South Carolina, and he's got a brand new release out called Forfeit the Prize, which we'll talk about a little. It's really good. Uh, so I'd like to welcome to the show, Lincoln Barr. Welcome to the show, Lincoln. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. I've been looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, Lincoln. So you got in touch with me. We had Nora O'Connor on the show. She talked about That's Prince. Right. And uh, Nora's on your uh, your release now, right? That's right. Yeah, Nora and her uh, bandmates in the Flat Five, Casey McDonough and Kelly Hogan, sing on the record. Right. When your face appeared in the clearing smoke, I feared myself the victim of an impractical joke. It's an onerous business. Sword and substance from chaff When the song of the finches Fell upon my ears I had to laugh So, yeah, you know, I decided, uh, Lincoln, a while ago I'm, I'm tired of talking about genres Like trying to put mm-hmm. someone in a genre So I'm not going to talk about genre I'm just going to say I love it <laughs> I'm just going to say It's like really good music It's very it, it, your, your record it, it, It's very lush and sophisticated, I would say But it's just like really good songs performed very meticulously good you have obviously you have lots of people playing on it lots of guests right Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's just good stuff good music right thank (laughs) you no i i I love it i i we don't have to put a name on it at all because i wouldn't know what to tell you if you right right yeah you wouldn't and then whatever i could come up with would sound dumb anyway so uh i don't know about that (laughs) i'll play uh, listen to this podcast you know what you're talking about (laughs) well we'll see about that but um so i would say kind of um the uh, the record you picked i i could see like i would see oh why you would be a a fan of this band and into it from your own music it's not like it's a completely different thing but Mm -hmm. what's the uh what's what's the artist and what's the album we're talking about so we're today we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite records which is it's a wonderful life by the band sparkle horse um, it came out in 2001, and I've been listening to it ever since. Yeah, and and uh, I've I, I've I've heard the name uh, Sparkle Horse, and and over the years I've heard them, but this is the first time I really dug into this album. And oh, yeah, cool. it's just like a really great album. And and again, it's one of these albums that I wouldn't want to put 
a label on as far as what it is, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely, um, well, uh, I mean, one thing about it is who it's produced by, uh, David um, Fridman. Dave mm-hmm. uh, Fridman, who's done a lot of, uh, he worked with Mercury Rev, he worked with the Flaming Lips, uh, mm-hmm. which I would say, you know, is sort of in the same realm of what's going on here. But just uh, for me, he's like a really interesting producer that that just sort of brings uh, brings things out and makes these like unique little records that are that are more than just a, a collection of songs thrown together. I agree. And, wh- and while he doesn't produce every single song on this record, if you look in the, the credits, like there are certain songs that Mark Linkus made on his own and there are other songs that he recorded with uh, PJ Harvey and John Parrish and Barcelona. Right. And Dave Fridman, I, th- you know, I've been thinking about this a lot in preparation for this interview. And I, I think he is, he might be the X factor in this record because Sparkle Horse made a lot of records. They're all really, really great, really beautiful. But this one has a little something extra for me, uh, right. and 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 Dave Fridman might have something to do with it. He certainly doesn't uh, take away. That's for right. Sure. <laughs> right. All right. So you were yeah. So basically, Mark Linkus, he he is Sparkle Horse, and before this, he was mainly like his first two records was mostly him, right? Him just about playing everything and and recording everything on his own. I think that's pretty pretty much the case, right? Like he might have always had like guest drummers from time to time and things like that, but you know, the the band, you know, and and his name are fairly interchangeable, uh even though he did have uh, uh some collaborators that came up more and more consistently over the years. Right. And uh so were you a, a fan of his before this one, before this album? This was the first record that I heard. I okay. had read maybe in, you know, when I was in high school or or college or something, I had read uh, the name in magazines and maybe read about uh, Viva Dixie Submarine Transmissions Pop when it came out. She laid a head on my chest as the sun But I don't think I'd heard anything until my friend Todd slipped me a cassette dub of, of this record when uh, in, in 2001, and I stayed in my car for a long time. Oh, okay. So you got this, yeah, you got this pretty much when it came out. Yeah. And yeah, so you must have, now, were you listening to similar to things like this at the time? Were you already in, uh, you know, anything close to this type of music? I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I, I struggle to, to name anything that's really quite the same, even right, though you right, know, certainly right. the artists that you mentioned, Mercury Rev, Flaming Lips, there are certain sonic similarities or even sort of aesthetic or, you know, even mental approach to the music. You could find something similar. But and I, I was aware of those things. I do think I was pretty primed for this record because I was just beginning my own songwriting journey at that time and i probably had just gotten or was just about to get my first cassette four track uh which was really kind of how i got my start and how the band red jacket mine got its uh start and the first couple releases that we put out were really just four track uh you know demos really that were compiled into an album and so records like this you know sparkle horse and guided by voices elliot smith artists like that they really gave me the courage to to try and, you know, make records within my very, very limited means. Too long to you, you know, 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's kind of inspiring, right, when you hear stuff. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you hear things that's, like, really produced and everything. And that could be great, too. But it just sounds so out of reach, like something that mm-hmm. you couldn't aspire to make. But then you hear something, you know, like this or, like you said, like Guided by Voices. And you say, oh, I think I could do that, you know. <laughs> and, and, that's, and don't uh, get me wrong. Inspiring. like. This record is a very, very high fidelity, high production value, lo-fi record. Oh, right, <laughs> you know right, is? yeah. Uh, on the surface, it 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 it, it, ha- it has some of those 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 trademarks, but when you start to dig into it, you realize, okay, there's a lot going on here, and it, it's a very meticulously engineered record. But there's something in the aesthetic that that did feel, even though you know, like I said, the execution was way beyond anything that I I could have done at that time. It gave me it gave me hope and courage, right? That something to sort of aim for. Right. And so, yeah, I do think I was primed and ready for this record, even though I'd never heard anything quite like it before and, and really still haven't. Yeah, it's just very, um, it's hard to, to put your finger on exactly what it is that's uh, that sort of draws you in on the whole thing. Because um, on the surface, a lot of the lyrics, although very, very poetic and interesting, mm-hmm. a lot of them are kind of hard to sort of make out what, you know, yeah. what actually is going on or what he's what he's trying to say. But it still sounds really, it all sounds really interesting. Yeah, I've paid more attention to the lyrics in the last week or so as I've been listening and, and getting ready for this than I ever did before. I, I previously just kind of let them wash over me, right, I think. Right. You know what I mean? Which is um, probably right, which is probably the way yeah. it should be. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because I was what I was thinking about, it's like the songs on this record are really beautiful and emotional, but mm-hmm. I almost feel like they're not meant to be dug into, you know, but just taken sort of taken as a whole as they are and not dug into. But, you know, oh, well, that's that's the whole idea of this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway, or do, give it our best shot. But I think you know, yeah, I, I I do I appreciate the sort of impressionistic quality of the lyrics. There's right. not a lot of kind of narrative or anything like that. It's more for me about the feeling and lucky for me, right? Like that's really how I encounter music and, and, and approach my own for that matter is it's more about creating, sustaining and, and, uh, transmitting a, a feeling that can't really be named or articulated fully. Right, right, right. And, uh, and, and the one thing that's put on this and the one, the one genre I saw, which is kind of, I'll say it just cause it's kind of funny. I saw it referred to as sad core uh <laughs> well it, i suppose it fits well, I, I don't know about the core part but the sad for sure right right and it's funny and and the 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 name of the album and the first song in there was kind of him uh, pushing back on that right yeah i do think right like there there's a couple layers of meaning there at least as far as i, I can tell right because there is the sort of irony around Right. Like this guy's a sad sack and he's been through a lot of real hardship, you know, both self-inflicted and otherwise. And and his his music tends to be kind of downtrodden and 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 sad. And so it's sort of, you know, thumb in the nose to that. Uh, um, But but also, you know, I feel like there's a sense sustained throughout this record and in right there from the get go on this first track there's a sense of of wonder at the natural world and kind of the miracle of life in spite of all 
of all the pain and, and, and suffering that is sort of inescapable. And so I think it's sincere too, right? It might not have begun that way, but he found a way to, to speak sort of sincerely through that title. Um, and I think it's really impressive. Right, right. And, uh, and, and also it's the most, like when it first started, I didn't know, I'm thinking, oh, is the whole album, because they obviously went out of their way to make this one sound like an old, uh, like an old yeah. uh, 78 or something, you know, just like uh, put this like layer over it where it sounds like an old uh, recording or something. And uh, it's done on purpose, but it's very effective for what it is. And it definitely brings you in a mood right away when you're right off the get-go with the record. Yeah, the whole the whole Mark Linkus uh, Static King was what it, he called his home studio and oh, the whole okay, as, okay. the whole aesthetic is here in in this in this track and some of the signature instruments the Optigan and the Chamberlain and some of these sort of pr- primitive synthesizers and things like that that he used they're really really at, at, right up front on, on this track and so it, it definitely sets a mood it does all right so let's do a little bit of it's a wonderful night Yeah, you know, it's funny. Just what you said is interesting because I was I, I was taking it more of just ironic. He's being ironic, singing, you know, this sort of downtrodden song, but saying it's a wonderful life. But I think you're right, actually. I think he is kind of just saying it is a wonderful life. And it is, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, he kind of is. I don't think he is being that... Uh, <laughs> that cynical at least there's, about it. There's always something to wonder about and wonder at in this life, right? Like that's how I that's how I take it. And the, all the images of the natural world in this in this song, and they 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 continue throughout the record, but they're really they're really prominent here in this track. And and you know what I take from that is, um, you know. I think there's a, our our fellow humans really have a way of of disappointing us oh, God. <laughs> pretty frequently. Right? <laughs> you think? But but you know a, a lot of times you know if you're the type of person that struggles with that those that that disappointment and and um, anger and all that sort of thing, 
turning to the natural world and the animal world and even the the, the plant world, right? Like it, it, it brings some relief from that because you're able to encounter those sorts of beings with a little bit more immediacy and less less subtext and less uh, c conniving, or at least it appears to be that way. And so that's what I get from the, the, the lyrical references and just the overall mood and the title of this song. Um, it's kind of a reminder that no matter what's going on, it, it, it is a wonderful life. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. It, it does kind of carry through in the, the whole record and he keeps coming back to like nature and animals and things. And, and so this next song right here, a gold day, I think also has that kind mm -hmm. of hopeful thing. And it also features Nina person of the mm -hmm. cardigan. on some uh, things on this and, and it, that's great yeah it's really nice listen to a little bit of gold day good morning my child stay with me a while you not got any place to be won't you sit a spell with me you've got diamonds for us it's time for you to rise and evaporate in the sun sometimes it can weigh a ton Yeah, so once again, uh, may all your days uh, be gold, my child. I think he's saying that seriously, you know, mm -hmm. and, and actually wishing that on, on someone. Uh, because, yeah, he talks about in there how sometimes it can weigh a ton and things can weigh mm -hmm. on you. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, it's very hopeful sounding. Yeah, I mean, this in my book is a is a perfect song and perfect record. I, I, I just have always loved this one from the first moment that I heard it. And yeah, I do think there's a lot of hope and uh, and uh, in, in spite of it all in 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 this song. And I do think that Nina Person is a is a perfect foil to Mark Linkus. I, I just love the combination of their voices. I think that where she shows up on this record in a couple spots, it it really uh, it really adds uh, you know a, a new a layer to the to the tune and uh, and and brings out a different sort of emotional. Uh, resonance too so i love love this this tune oh, can't, yeah. can't can't say enough about it i know it, it's so nice and and another thing i really appreciate on the whole album is the way you know i hear some of these sounds and i'm thinking it could be replicated uh, by synthesizer things but when you read mm -hmm. the credits it's not they used all these some of these interests i'm uh, instruments i'm gonna be honest with you i don't even know what they are <laughs> Uh, some of the things that are played on, on this <laughs> record, but it, it's really cool. It definitely adds a real interesting quality to it all. 
Yeah, the sonic sort of palette on, on this tune in particular, um, and and all you know, all over the record, it's full of like the, the Mellotron flutes are really prominent on this uh, on this tune, and and they come up elsewhere on the record. And then the strings that come in in the chorus, that's a Chamberlain, and so there are all these sort of analog, you know, tape based uh, uh, original sort of synthesizer instruments uh, or you know samplers essentially, and so. Uh, and, and Mark Link has really made a he made a career out of uh, out of digging these things out of the junk pile and and, and making them work just well enough <laughs> right. to get a yeah, take well, down. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because you know how it is. You're you're in a studio and you could have you know an engineer could say, oh well, you know we could just do this or we could use this, but it's always so much more fun and rewarding to like just sort of bring something in that maybe like you said Mm -hmm. it's going to be good enough you know maybe it's not perfect but that just adds uh, so much more charm to it yeah yeah he really you know he really stuck to his guns on that sort of thing and and you know his sonic imprint is is really i think pure throughout his discography but like i said something in the production on this record it really um it really highlights what was so special about him as an artist and as a as a as a recordist, uh, and so I I, I think it's a, it's a special album. Yeah, and now we got a PJ Harvey who's on a couple of things, mm. and she sings uh, on this one. Really adds a lot. Again, as you said, him singing with Nina Person, she adds so much, and this also has a completely different feel to it. Really, yeah. kind of like especially for a song piano called Piano Fire, it's got some really heavy strange uh, guitars in there too yeah i love the distorted acoustic guitar on on this uh on this track and uh, on a few other tracks on the record it really really aggressive uh a sound but he manages to balance it all with and the, and the voices still come through really clear and yeah i just i love to hear pj harvey on on any record of course, so uh, yeah. <laughs> what a what a what a what a coup for him to to get her uh, on this album i think i read somewhere that his his idea for these sessions, which I think took place in Spain, are was that he was just going to be the singer, and PJ Harvey was going to play guitar, and John Parrish was going to play bass, and 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 he was he was going to be the front person, uh, which is so it's so funny to think about, but uh, it 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 worked. It, it's a, it's a great great tune. Yep, it is. Let's do a little bit of piano fire. <laughs>
Just those lyrics. Uh, fiery pianos wash up on the foggy coast. Squeaky old organs have given up the ghost. Uh, they're just really mm-hmm. cool. I don't re- I don't know exactly what he's singing about, but it sounds really good. Yeah, I love I love that line about the squeaky old organs because it's sort of he's he's sort of personifying. You imagine him looking around his studio and like the instruments are alive. That's how I think about it. Um, and, and and so they're they're sort of his companions, right? But just in the same way that a that a pet would be or something. And so uh, yeah, love love the images in in this tune. And then P. J. Harvey's voice just coming through, just clear as a bell. It's um, it really offsets his voice, and which tends to be more whispered and kind of you know lightly sung she's just like a laser and it's a great contrast yeah it is it's so good and you know we didn't discuss it but i uh this this album uh, him doing this came after he had that thing where he had that thing where he passed out and and his legs Mm -hmm. and kind of lost the use of his legs for a while this is after that right yeah, that was after the first record. Uh, okay. They were, I think, on tour with, uh, with opening up for Radiohead in the UK, and it was the first night of the tour. And he took oh Jesus, it was the first and, night and of the tour. Passed out, yeah, in his hotel room and cut off circulation to his legs for, um, for a number of hours, I think. And yeah, so, really long, a really long time, and they basically couldn't say. I mean, he had to be in a wheelchair for for a long for months, and then he never yeah. got all the strength back in his legs. He, he was lucky that they were even able to uh, save his legs. Yeah, and I think that this, uh, uh, you know, the the previous record, Good Morning Spider, were also a beautiful record, maybe a little less focused than this one. Right, um, I right. mean, uh, is probably a little bit more, dress, addresses some of that a little bit more explicitly in the, in the aftermath, in that period of recovery, I guess I would say. Yeah. Goddamn. it comes up here the images of of infirmity and things like that come up in this record too um and yeah you just kind of can't imagine what that period of of time must have been like for him just on a human level uh, you know when when your body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to and is in pain but also i i imagine and maybe this is projection but i imagine the the disappointment of a period like that following your major label debut record, right? And you're oh, yeah, going out right, on right. tour with Radiohead and then it, it immediately kind of grinds to a halt and you're right back where you started or seeming seemingly so. And so uh, talk about how do you deal with the disappointment of life? You know, uh, that's that's a tall order right there. Yeah, it is. And it's a shame. I always get, I mean, we, we talk about this a lot on the show just because a lot of the records we cover are records that, that are great and that people love, but that maybe in the, in the realm of your music business weren't successful per se. You yeah. know, this, this yeah. was probably his most successful uh, albums and it still didn't sell that so. many, you know, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure. But I, but I can't imagine that many. You no, know, by right. Major and, label and standards. that's the thing yeah. that's a shame that people, you know, you almost can't help to put some of your worth in that. But it shouldn't be. You know, if you were mm-hmm. anyone, you know, put the, made a record like this, that should be it. They should be so proud of that, and they did something so great. Who cares? You know, if it if it mm-hmm. if it like broke the indie wall and became like an indie hit or something <laughs> like that. Who cares, right. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I. I don't know. Right. You know. I. You get the feeling that some people just aren't sort of cut out for that. That that game. You know. They're oh yeah. An, well, amazing yeah. Artists, but that you know. T- I, I listened to your episode pretty recently with Corey Debrowa on the Elliot Smith record, and yep. this came up a little bit with him too. Is sort of like. Some people just aren't right. They're 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 made to write songs and they're made to make records, but they're not necessarily made to promote them and and enter that that machine. And yep. I, I wonder if that was somewhat the case with with Mark Linkus too. I feel uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel that uh, this next song, "Sea of Teeth," a really great, pretty song. And there's after let's listen to it a little. And I found a really great quote uh, of Linkus uh, talking about uh, Tom Waits uh, talking about this song in particular. That's really funny. Oh, cool! Listen to it a little bit. Uh, "Sea of Teeth." So this, yeah, this is a really pretty song. I wish, I almost wish I could just play the whole song, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it like takes its time and it's so beautiful. Yeah. But he has a great, I read this thing. He said, I would love for emotional music to be popular. I had this conversation with Tom Waits. I said, why don't they release Sea of Teeth on the radio? I played it for a girlfriend and she cried. And Tom Waits said, you can't have a woman crying on the way to work. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you on this tune. It, it sets such a mood, and it's yeah. just so, it's so beautiful. And that piano, I think that's Dave Fridman playing the piano, and 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 it's very understated, but it's just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. This. Which is yeah. a lot on this record. I listen to, you know, I listen to it, and you get, uh, you just get lulled into it, and you realize sometimes it's very simple what's being done, and some of it's just these repeating motifs but they're just so they're just so well done and they're so perfect for the for the songs yeah there's just a purity of uh, of intention uh in in some of the the performances even as simple as they may be i think it's just really really gorgeous um and I actually, you know, I wrote down a quote when I was listening to this one earlier, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with, uh, there's a French surrealist, his name's Paul Eluard. Do you, are you familiar? I'm not, no. Uh, um, it, 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 I'm not familiar with him as, a, as, a, as an artist himself, but I have heard this quote referenced several times, and, and it seemed really relevant for this record. And, 
uh, the quote is, there is another world, but it is in this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I and that's what I get, and that's what I get from this this whole record. It, it, this whole record is sort of exp exploring the world inside this world, right? right? right, right. Uh, um, and I feel like a song like "Sea of Teeth" just takes a long, slow look at at that at that inner world. And there's some of the planetary imagery in this song. I think it's really. It's really uh, evocative too. I, I just love it. Oh yeah! Can you feel the rings of Saturn on your finger? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's great. All right. So Nina Persons again. We have her again on this next one. Uh, another just really pretty song. Uh, this one's called Apple Bed. really pretty again once again you get him and nina their voices together is just like really nice what a chorus too please doctor please that's all <laughs> no yep. more needs to be said i <laughs> I, I find it yeah it, it, it kind of says it all right right there and and that's and you see some of that image of of illness and 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 recovery sort of uh, right popping up here too yeah, beautiful, beautiful tune. It is. And and also one thing I noticed and also in listening to your uh your latest record and you uh, something I appreciate that that he he does uh the singing is just very natural and very understated. He's never over singing and I hear that mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the same with your stuff too. You just you know it's oh, uh, just not overdone, not oversung and that and that makes a big difference than listening to some stuff that when something is oversung and everything sometimes it just gets to be too much, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, Mark Linkus, especially by the time of this record, really had, I hear a lot of comfort in his own, in his own voice, right? Like right. he knows where, he knows where to pitch his songs. He knows how, how to sing them in a way that comes across as sincere and natural. And it's, it's not a normal, it's not an ordinary voice, right, you know, right, that, right. that he has, but he, he uses it so effectively. It's, uh, I, th I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great, and and it's a subtle thing, but like I said, I hear it in your uh, your album too. I, I hear that also, which is Thank something you. I appreciate, you know, because I do mm -hmm. get I do get stuff, I listen to stuff where it's not that 
that's not the case. And it's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard road figuring out how to use your own voice. Yeah, and yeah, I, it's true. It really is. That's true. Um, all right. So the um, King of Nails uh, gets a little. Everything isn't. Uh, even though this album does seem very somber and understated, the whole album isn't like that. You know, there right. are. It, it's weird. It's like you. You don't. I, I didn't realize it the first time through, but I do. Oh yeah, there's some. You know, there's definitely some other vibes on here aside from uh you know the last two songs and uh, you get it in this one for sure uh king of nails Heavy that uh, guitar, I guess that comes in there. That's uh, that's a pretty badass sound. Yeah, I think that's a um, that's a, a Prophet Five. Oh, synth. okay, okay, um, okay. Yeah, but yeah. it is like it, it is. It's an aggressive sound, and yeah, and then you have that distorted acoustic kind of drive in this track. Yeah, right. it's you know, I, I was one thing that I feel bad that I hadn't really. I I always sort of taken for granted about this record is Scott Miner's drumming. But oh, okay. he is just so he, I, I as I listened through the record this week, I realized like he, that is in a in a record that's full of so many different voices, instrumental and, and actual voices and things like that kind of floating in and out. He is just so constant throughout the record. And he actually kind of brings his own voice to to the drums. I find it's very, very steady, yes. but very, but very distinctive as, as well. And uh, I, I just I, I feel like he probably doesn't get as much acknowledgement for his the role that he played in, in these records as as he as he ought to. Um, so Scott Miner. Yeah, no, no, that that's a great point, actually, because, it, again, it's one of these things that's so understated that people could miss it. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's another one of these drummers that I love where you could just tell just the way he hits his drum, the way he hits that snare. That's his own, you mm -hmm. know, he's, it's a unique yeah. thing. And, and it's, it's exactly. Yeah, no, I, to I totally agree. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed. And then, you know, uh, the, the female voice on this song, that's um, Sophie. Michalitzianos, uh, who I never, again, this is one of those tracks that I think I took for granted for a long time, but, you know, she was a longtime member of the touring band oh, okay. and has made some records of her own under the name uh, Soul Seppi. 
And I've just started to to get to know those. And so that's been a cool discovery uh, as well. But I love her singing and playing on this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And then uh, I think uh, I think PJ Harvey's again on this next one, I Pennies. And again, once again, I had a sort of, I, I was starting to like sort of research and and see what he meant by I Pennies. But then I, I kind of gave up because I said, I don't care. It's just a really cool song and I really like it. And I don't know exactly. Maybe you have some insight to it, but let's listen to it first. Uh, a little bit of eye pennies. song just has this such a hypnotic quality to it uh, it's mm-hmm. a really pretty song and like I, I i found myself like listening to it and then going back and then listening to it again just because it's just yeah like, yeah it's got a really really cool vibe to it yeah very mournful uh, yes. and then when and when pj harvey's voice comes in it's just so yeah it's so it's so plaintive uh I, I i love it and then the line that stands out to me in this track and always has is at sunrise, the monkeys will fly yeah. <laughs> and, leave, and leave me with pennies on my eyes. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what, what he's on about, but, uh, but I like it. I like it well, yeah, the monkey, I mean, what I thought, first thing I thought of was the flying monkeys in Wizard of Oz. I mean, <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. And, and he does uh, uh, elsewhere. We'll get to it on this record. There's other some other film uh, homages, I think, to some films. So maybe that's... Uh, Even in the title, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the duh. You're right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So now we get... So I guess he was really excited to get uh, Tom Waits to work on this. I, I think I'd read that he had to get... A, he drank a, a bunch of whiskey or bourbon or something to get up yeah. the nerve to talk to him. But this, this song... I don't know. To me, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I love it. See, <laughs> I, 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 in, in looking into this, um, you know, just preparing for this and kind of digging into certain things, I read the uh, the Pitchfork review that that came out contemporary to the album release, and 
you and and the, that reviewer are on the same page. Oh, that was the one where the like, one guy hated, loved his album, like, love, except he hated that one and, song, right? And I and I love Tom Waits, but I just hate this song. I you love, know, well, no, I'm not that big a no, hater to it. Think, it just, I don't it, think so. It, it's just very jarring to me, just, you know, but I, after a while, you know how it is when you listen to an album over and over and you get used to the, uh, then you kind of get used to it. You expect it after Eye Pennies, you know, that you're getting yeah. this. And it's kind of it's a it's it closes side A on the vinyl at least on the, oh, the okay, one that, okay. uh, that I have and I kind of like it it's sort of it's sort of you know it 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 shakes you awake again so oh, that yeah, you can sure. you can flip it over <laughs> and so and I, I I love the groove it's very slinky and and and, and cool and I think uh, Adrian Utley from Portishead is playing some of the guitar and and, and bass oh, on okay, this nice, track. Nice. Um, yeah, this is a uh, this is a, a sentimental favorite. Of okay, mine. cool. Let's do a little bit of Dog Door. And, you know, the thing is, I was thinking he was probably such a big fan. And if you're like, could you imagine you're such a fan of Tom Waits and then he's you're having him on your record? This is what you want him to to do. This is what you want him to bring, you know? I mean, through the whole first verse, he's just in the background going. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, thank you. This is exactly right, what I right, wanted. Right. Uh, um, no, I, I think that's why I love this track so much is because I can hear the fun in it. Right. And it's, it's, this is a beautiful record, but it's not always fun. You know what I right, mean? Right. And, and so it's it's so nice to hear him hear some joy in in the performance in this track. And I have no fucking idea what the what they're saying what the lyrics are it's completely unintelligible to me and and looking it up online it's clear that no one else no one knows yeah see people (laughs) (laughs) that's right no one knows all right so more yellow birds i think uh this alludes to like a a coal mining accident and uh Mm. the more yellow birds they used to have canaries we're using the coal mines to detect uh, the poisonous gases before the miners Mm -hmm. could right so so that's in there, I think. But also, uh, it, it's just great that uh, the dog door is sandwiched between uh, that um, uh, eye panties and then this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. But let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of more yellow birds. Mm-hmm. 
there's really cool instrumentation on this one. I don't know. Do you know who Alan Weatherhead is? Not particularly. Um, I, I think he might have had something to do with the. Um, he might be the studio owner for uh, Sound of Music in Richmond, Virginia, because he pops up on some of other, some other records. In fact, we haven't talked about this yet, but there's and I didn't know this when I chose this when we originally planned this interview, but they've released the a posthumous record, Sparkle Horse record called Bird Machine came out last month. And Alan Weatherhead shows up on that record. So I think he he must have been a, a sometime collaborator. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he's playing all sorts of interest. He's playing the orchestron and a mellotron mm-hmm. and a chamberlain on this one. Mm-hmm. Yep, lap steel. Yeah, this is an underrated track, I think. I and, think and, so, and, yeah. yeah. It, and it's, I in thinking about it and listening uh, recently, I... I realize how sort of uncharacteristically verbose he is in the lyrics on this. You know, a lot of the songs on this record are like 10 lines. They're very succinct and they, they repeat, the verses repeat and things like that. There's a lot of words in this song and uh, I, I, it definitely paints a picture. Yes. And what do you think? Do you make anything at uh, the line? And the Captain Howdy lit upon my shoulder and left me with sulfur. <laughs> I, I think, what do you think of when Captain Howdy? I think of, Exorcist, uh, Pazuzu. <laughs> uh, oh God, I didn't even think about that, but I love it. Yeah, no, I hadn't. I hadn't thought about that at all. That line had never had never jumped out at me, but uh, I, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I love, <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed I, with the Exorcist. So. <laughs> it's a good one. It's really good. It's been a little while since I've seen that, but the last time I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, this holds up." This oh yeah. Good. <laughs> um, all right, so this next one, a uh, really interesting uh, little fat baby. Uh, it, it, mm. it, it, it's, uh, I guess he borrowed some lines from uh, Vic Chestnut, uh, who was his friend, yeah. right? Yeah, and man, I mean, Vic Chestnut is a major songwriting hero of mine and, and, and singing hero. Oh, and so okay. I, I, did, I love, you know, any, any, any reference to Vic, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about. And yeah, I guess this borrows from Vic's song, uh, Myrtle, from the uh, About to Choke record. And I felt like a sick child Dragged by a donkey Right. And I mean, we haven't we haven't even mentioned up to now, but I guess this is as good a time as anything that uh, Chestnut died by uh, suicide uh, a few months before Linkus did, uh, which we didn't even mention. Yeah, he did. That was like, what, 2010? Yeah, I think I think Vic died on Christmas 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And then 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 Mark was a few months uh, later. Yeah. Oh, my God. What is it with these with these artists, these tortured artists? Life is hard, man. It you is. know, it's 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 it, it requires a lot of stamina, and some people have it, and they st- and some people's lives require more stamina than others. I think you know what I mean. And that, so yeah, I look yeah. at I look at Vic and I look at Mark and what they were able to accomplish in their short time at, at, with all the the challenges that they had, and I'm just so grateful that I got to be alive at the same time. Right, as, right. I wish, I wish, uh, you know, for the, especially for their families, you know, like that they could have hung around longer, but um, 
what a blessing to to get to share the same space with them. That's a good way. To, that's the correct way to look at it. It really is. So uh, that's why I don't like to dwell but on it. But it also it also really sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, it also does really, suck. right. It, it does. But yeah, no, that's uh, I believe that is the correct way. All right, let's listen to a little bit of the song, "Little Fat Baby." take the lines but he got dragged by a donkey through the dirt and a myrtle but he was once a little fat baby and make it sound so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well it is it's such a i mean you know it's such a sweet sentiment i mean it's kind of a, f- a fitting uh line to fixate on after the conversation that you and i had just had before the this song of sort of like all the tragedy and all the sorrow in this life. And, and we all kind of started out as a little fat baby. Right. Uh, right. There's something so beautiful about it. Yep. I love this tune too. Um, Joan Wasser, uh, the violinist, um, who makes records under the name Joan is policewoman. She, uh, plays on this track and on a couple others, uh, on the record too. And I, I, I love her contributions. There's a, there's a particular kind of uh, tremolo effect on the strings and the, uh, the third verse on this track that I think is is super duper cool. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely play some of that uh, underneath. So, do you know anything about the next track, Devil's New, that said it was excluded from the European release? I have no idea. Do you know anything ab- about that? I don't know why that might have been, other than maybe they were trying to just cut runtime because it is a rather long record, particularly with the the final track. With the uh, which hidden, is, yeah, they had like the which is track. different on like uh, on the CD and on the um, on the vinyl. They they there were they both had hidden tracks, but they're different tracks, which is very weird. Um, but no, I don't know why that was was cut. I, I, again, I kind of look at this track as a. As a little bit of a palate cleanser, um, you know, right. uh, and it kind of and it really sets you up for the for the 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 last sort of movement of the of the record. Yes, yeah, definitely a strange little thing, but I don't know the fact that me just uh, that I've been listening to this so much over and over, I feel like I would I would miss it if it wasn't there. Yeah, uh, same here. And when those when those uh, Mellotron or Chamberlain strings come in, kind of to take the song out. It's a it's a nice little coda again that sort of sets you up for this next track and and I would definitely miss that. Yep, exactly, and it brings you into uh, as you said the next track. Let's listen to "Comfort Me." 
I, I really love at the beginning the choice the way they have the uh, drum machine and then uh, Scott Miner comes mm-hmm. in uh, with the live yeah. drums and it's just kind of so takes great. over. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the pedal steel on this, this tune, it's such a nice touch to come in so late in the in, in the record. It, it really brings it in, a new color. Yeah, this this song has always been a favorite of mine on the record. And for the first couple years that I listened to this record, I listened to it on that cassette that my friend had had taped for me. Um, and the the tape ran out uh, toward the end of this tune. So, oh, but it, okay. it, I, I I got through the bridge, and 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 I think it ran out in the outro. So I I got the most important part. But um, I'll always remember that when I hear this song of the tape running out just uh, just before uh the, the song was over isn't that so. great isn't that funny that you have that i know i have that too i have like tapes that people have given me and yeah you sort of that that becomes your version of whatever it yeah is. <laughs> no totally it, it really really does but yeah no i love love this song and uh i love dave fridman's bass playing it's so it's he plays on um gold day too early in the record and it's it's very distinctive because he just plays those straight eight notes, right? Like he just it, 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 and it, and it seems so simple, but it really does add uh, yeah. add to the the sort of propulsion of of the tune. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So we close it out. Like I said, you got kind of the two things. So you didn't. So in the original thing, you didn't even get to hear the last two songs. Well, on the tape, no. It wasn't until I think my wife and I were visiting uh, Victoria, BC, or or Vancouver in. 04 and Christian, my wife, she found a, a vinyl copy of this record, which actually is quite rare now. Like the, this, this record, it's probably worth a couple hundred bucks or something, oh, wow. but um, uh, that it might have been it, that long before I heard the last two tracks, which is really funny, but uh, you know, I got the bulk of, of the record there. I will just say before we move on from comfort me, that the other thing that stood out to me is like this is such a hopeful sounding song and kind of expansive but early in this song the lyric with rocks in my dress i walked into a lake to get some sleep down in there it's like whew, it's not oh yeah i know well that <laughs> pretty uh, heavy <laughs> you know i didn't and and i didn't come up with it i totally read it but someone thought it was an allusion to uh, virginia wolf uh in that she committed oh, suicide by sure. putting rocks in her uh pockets yeah. and drowning herself in the river so yeah I'm sure I'm sure she wasn't the first or last, but right. uh, but <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, the, what a what a grim, what a, a grim, grim. I know to have in this little uh, sprightly little song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so but let's listen to uh, the last, the penultimate song. Uh, this one is called "Babies on the Sun."
Yeah, so this one definitely sandwiches uh, the record, I would say, uh, with the first uh, with the first yeah. song. And then you got the hidden track, which, that's, you know what I'm sad? Like now with streaming and everything, you really can't have, you don't have hidden tracks anymore. There's no such, <laughs> there's no surprises, are there? <laughs> there's no surprises. But this uh, was, I guess, there's about three minutes of silence. And then you get the final, very pretty morning hollow. pretty really pretty way to end uh the whole record and i don't know i guess maybe it's because i'm getting older but i really appreciate uh records <laughs> like this more i feel like i don't know because they take you they take you into this space but they also don't sound they just sort of sound very earnest and real like they don't sound like they're trying to be too mm-hmm. meaningful or self-important they're just kind of there yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know I, I don't know if I'm explaining that right no no I think I know what you mean and yeah this track is it, it's interesting I I, I I do love it but for me it's not a part of this record and not because it's, it was a hidden track and not because I only had a cassette tape right, that it, it wasn't off. on your cassette that ran out before it but <laughs> Because it's on the following record, Dreamt for Light Years in the Belly of a Mountain, that came out uh, after a kind of a pretty long hiatus. Um, it's in it's smack in the middle of the, of that record. Oh, okay, okay. And, and so for me, this song Morning Hollow is a part of that album. Ah. And the track that was that is at the end of the vinyl release that that we have, uh, which is called Maxine on that record is also on the following record. It's the title track, Dreamt for Light Years in the Belly of a Mountain, and it's like a 10-minute instrumental, very repetitive and kind of narcotic, hypnotic uh, song. So for me, that's how this record ends. Uh, And and when I first... When I first sort of queued this record up on streaming years ago, when we all started streaming things, and this song, Morning Hollow, came on at the end, it was very jarring to me. It was like, well, wait, what's this doing here? Did someone uh, 
at the label load this re- record up incorrectly, but no, no, <laughs> right. it's, it's definitely um, supposed to be there, at least in a certain version. But yeah, I'll maybe you can pull up a clip or something of that of that track, Dreamt for Light Years in the Belly of a Mountain. But yeah, that absolutely. song and its title, Ma- Maxine, that's how, to, to me, how this record ends. And it's a very different ending because, like I said, it's 10 minutes it, and it's very repetitive and kind of... Uh, contemplative uh sort of way to to end in the record um but uh either way you go you, you can't lose it's a <laughs> it's a great album <laughs> yeah it, it really is and um yeah i'm i'm really happy that you brought it to us so all right so forfeit the prize uh like i said I, i've been listening to that as well and i'll play uh, i'll play mm-hmm. another song from it in the outro but um awesome. yeah just really great you uh, so I, yeah this is the thing i was gonna ask you because we were talking about it at first like uh through just how things change and we feel like we've gotten through which we're not even totally through it again through the pandemic but we went through so this and and i think right. was this sort of yeah. you like did, did you kind of change uh, direction a little or was this something that you got to uh, uh contemplate more and think about more uh, uh this record because it started uh, at least when you started thinking about it was it already during the pandemic yeah most of the songs were actually written immediately before the the pandemic so in a very concentrated burst in like february 2020 i wrote most of these songs um and then I had the worst part of the oh, pandemic okay, okay. to kind of think about them uh, and, and and think about making this record. And so I do, I will say like, so while maybe there's some sort of premonition of, of what we were all about to go through in the way and the, what that time period meant for me in terms of personal growth in the, in the songs, in the way that we chose to record the record, I do think it probably had some influence because I wanted to make something that you know, regardless of what the songs are about and 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 the the mood of the songs, I wanted to make something that felt very joyful and kind of communal in re- recording in realizing these songs. And because it was such a relief to get together right, with right, people right. in a room and play music again uh, in August 2021 when we made this album. And so I do think it had some bearing on the the production and the sort of way the way that we chose to dress the songs up just having gone through that year and a half right, of right, kind right. of just yeah, and, and by myself. It shows, I think. You've got uh, you've got some great people uh, playing and singing on it, and that really shows. And, and it's great. I appreciate that. I mean, I like sometimes some people, they just sort of get, you know, they're uh, singular and they, and they do their own thing. But also, like you said, when you're bringing other people into the fold, it sort of makes it, uh, you have more of a joyous sound, more of a joyous musical. Uh, yeah, I feel so lucky for the community that I've been able to, to kind of cultivate and be a part of and that for me at this stage of my life and my career like that's that's what it's all about right it's making connections with people and maintaining those connections through that shared experience of making music together and so i i feel like that really comes through on this record i'm really proud of it it's great so the best place at Bandcamp is Bandcamp the best place for people to go to check it out yeah i that's that's the most artist friendly platform anywhere that people choose to listen i'm i'm grateful for for their time but yeah if you want to support me the uh, Bandcamp's awesome. the best way to do it and if you want to support me the best way to do it is to uh, you can become a patron like oh I, I should I keep I keep forgetting my uh, newest patron is Frederick Gilbert welcome to the Patreon family I really appreciate it. if you want to become a patron of the show you can go to patreon.com forward slash trjmh and become a patron don't forget you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook it's at that record got me high on X 
It's at TRGMH Podcast. I, I don't. I honestly don't know why I'm still on X at all. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the for the opportunity to say on X, which you can, yeah, which you exactly. can get to it's by just, going to uh, Twitter.com. I don't even know anymore. It's just it, it, it's perfect. It's really, it's a perfect, uh, you know, for for what's going on for the world now. It's just like a, one giant uh, dumpster fire. In a, in a way. like I said, people, uh, your fellow humans will disappoint every time. <laughs> They really will, and that's how we were gonna end, we're gonna end the show. Thanks again, Lincoln. It's great having you on. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. Just beyond the threshold stood a person just like you, full of trepidation and grasping for the truth. There's no easy answer, no satisfaction, no satisfaction guaranteed. guaranteed. But just